wanted to begin my message this morning by telling you three stories. And I started to say these stories illustrate my lack of focus, but I don't lack focus. I'm really good at focus, but I can also focus on the wrong thing. Anybody else in the house like that? So, uh, first story, Pastor Jason and I, a few years ago, we went to Springfield, Missouri to attend a men's conference, and uh, it was cheaper for us to fly to Tulsa and then drive over to Springfield. We flew up, I don't know, Thursday or Friday, went to the conference, it was really good. Saturday morning, we went to the last uh, meeting for the conference, and and then we were going to drive back to Tulsa, but as I said... I can focus on the wrong thing. So my mom's in the hospital. So we're trying to get back to Tulsa because I wanted to go see my mom before we caught our flight. And um, we had got up that er early that morning. Pastor Jason had had breakfast with some of his family. Zillion things going on. I was even listening to the NBA playoffs. I can remember that clear as a bell. But do you know what I did not focus on? That little bitty gauge that monitors the amount of gasoline in your car. So about 30 miles outside of Claremore, in the middle of nowhere, we ran out of gas. Now, I often have blamed Pastor Jason for this moment. But I don't know that it was really his fault. I believe it was my lack of focus. And to finish the story, I called my brother who saved the day, brought us gas. We still got to see my mom and caught our flight and made it back. But I was focused on the wrong thing. Several years ago, one of my first couple of years here, Fridays were a really long day back then. And I had so many responsibilities that now other team members carry for us. I think the Lord for a big and awesome team. But Fridays got to be pretty long. And so <clears throat> Miss Robin, our church accountant, would come in after, after school and we would do our stuff. And so we had done the financial things. And I, I told Miss Robin I was just going to run over to the sanctuary for a few minutes. And I was going to do a few things. And of course, the few minutes turned into several hours. Anybody else have that tendency? But I lacked focus to communicate to Miss Robin what I was going to do. Because back in those days, nowadays we have these cool fob things. So you can, as long as you have a fob, you can get in and out of a building. But back then, when Miss Robin and I would leave, we would lock up the buildings, obviously. So I, I, I had a lot of stuff I was doing. It was, I don't know, 7 o'clock at night, and I was still working away. And, and, and we had a party that we were supposed to attend at seven o'clock. So I'm like about 10 till seven. I'm like, I need to get back over to the office and get my keys and my wallet and my phone and head to the party. But as I left the sanctuary, I walked to the office and realized that I had, that Miss Robin, just doing, doing normal protocol, locked up as she left. But in the office that Miss Robin had dutifully locked was my wallet and my keys and my phone. So now it's 7 o'clock at night and I'm locked out of the building and nobody here is around. So I thought, well, I'll just start walking into town and surely I can find a phone 
And as I walked down the street, I heard some music at Stowe's garage, and I walked over, and a fellow was working on his car, and I tentatively walked up, didn't want to get shot, it is Texas. <laughs> and I said, uh, sir, can I borrow your phone? And he looked at me kind of like, okay. And I'm not even sure how I remembered my wife's phone number, but I did. I called her, and I'm like, hey, babe, I know we're supposed to be at a party, but I'm locked out, so could you bring me the keys and we got to our party pretty late. But I was focused. I was working. I was serving the Lord. But I was focused on the wrong thing. Third story. Are you getting the illustration that I can focus on the wrong things? A few years ago, my youngest son was in college. And I dutifully did my job as dad and financial supporter. Anybody else have live those days, right? So every month I would send Colin money. I would, you know, pay for tuition and rent and all the stuff dads do. And so I was in the middle of a work day and I was focused. I was working. I was doing stuff. I was doing everything I could. And I remembered I needed to send Colin money. And so I logged on to the internet, thank the Lord for technology. And I, I did all the stuff, pushed all the right buttons and sent him money about an hour later, my son calls me, which is pretty unusual for the middle of the day. I figured something was up, and I'm, I answered the phone. I'm like, hey, Colin, what's up? And he's like, hey, Dad, did you mean to take all of my money? And so, you know the button that says send to or send from? I clicked send from, and I took all my son's money. <laughs> that was a great moment in a dad's life right there. I did give it back, so just so you know. So it's not that I lack focus. It's that I focus on the wrong things. In fact, we do a uh, personality test here at the, on the staff. It's called Strength Finders. Anybody done one of those? It's a test that you take, and it, it kind of helps you understand yourself a little better. Well, my fifth, they call it themes... My fifth theme on Strength Finders is focus. So I'm really good at focus. But I sometimes focus on the wrong thing. So this morning we're going to talk about focus. And I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts with me and let's pray. Father, Lord, you know that I have prepared for several weeks. You put this this sermon in my heart many weeks ago and I've prayed and I've studied and I've done my best and and yet Lord all of that is worthless if you don't help us so help me Lord to say the right words and help every person here to open their heart to receive the words that I have to say and open this passage to our hearts Lord it's a hard one so help us understand what you have to say to us today we pray all of this in your awesome name. Amen. As pastor mentioned, I was a pastor for many years, and I've preached hundreds of sermons. And I have a personally held belief that I don't write out my opinions and then go find scripture to back up my opinions. I believe it is my job for the next few minutes to take you to the word and tell you what it says, and maybe give a little bit of historical perspective, 
But I want the scripture to do the work this morning. And if God will help me, and this all goes well, the word of God's going to do the work, and I'm just going to try to get out of the way. Amen? So the Lord has directed my attention to a pretty difficult passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible or your iPhone or your Version app on your phone, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul is writing. He says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But, oh, sorry, duplicated that. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexplicable things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like this. I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should boast, choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And if I can offer a, just a brief disclaimer before we begin this morning, this is a hard passage. And so if you struggle to understand it, know that that's okay. Paul was not afraid to bring up the hard subjects. And so this morning, we're going to look at this passage, and I trust the Lord will help us to understand how we should focus so there's four truths I want to point out from this scripture. And the first truth is this. That is the fact of the thorn. You see, there's many theories about the thorn. I found this, um, these thoughts on a website called gotquestions.org. I researched it and it seemed to be reputable. Of course, it's the internet, so... We're all a little suspicious, but I really appreciated what they had to say here. It says, he, Paul, calls the thorn a messenger of Satan that had a purpose of torment. Many explanations have been put forward, but whether Paul is referring to a physical, spiritual, or emotional affliction or something else entirely has never been answered with satisfaction. Since he was not talking of a little, literal thorn, we, he, he must have been speaking metaphorically. Some of the more popular theories of the thorn's interpretation include temptation, a chronic eye problem, malaria, migraines, epilepsy, and a speech disability. 
Some even say that the thorn refers to a person, such as Alexander the coppersmith, who did Paul a great deal of harm, he said in 2 Timothy. They go on to say this, No one can say for sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but it was a source of real pain in the apostle's life. So basically it boils down to four possibilities. Physical illness, emotional challenges like depression, spiritual issues like temptation of some kind, or people issues. But here is what we do know. We know that the thorn was real, that it caused Paul pain, and it did not go away. So to better illustrate it in our lives, I'm talking about things that don't go away. Along the same lines of scripture, addiction, grief, trauma or violence that you may have experienced, chronic illness, especially if that illness is terminal, abuse, whether it's the memories of or you're still dealing with it ongoing, or the pain of dealing with a person or people, trauma you suffered as a child, verbal abuse. This isn't a broken leg that's going to heal and be fine This isn't a thorn that can be plucked from your skin and a few days later everything's going to be okay. This was a deep-seated pain that Paul asked God to take away and yet it remained. Once again, either physical illness, emotional challenges, spiritual issues, or people issues. That's why this is such a challenging passage of scripture. But this is also the same man who wrote in Romans chapter 7 verse 19. For the good that I would not, or, or for the good that I would, I, I don't do that. But the evil that I would not, that, that's what I do. Paul was not afraid to deal with the hard subjects. And the simple fact is this. This thorn existed. And whatever it was, it was real and it didn't go away. And so what do we do if we are facing a thorn in our life that doesn't go away? You see, addictions don't just go away. Amen? (laughs) Grief just doesn't go away. I have counseled with people many times throughout my ministry, and there is no magic solution to grief. Grief does what it wants, and it tears me up, people up in the process. But I can tell you this, it doesn't just go away. Addictions, grief, the pain of abuse, it just doesn't go away. So what do you do when you're faced with things in your life that don't just go away? So the Lord's power goes to the place where things can be fixed easily, and then it stops? Absolutely not, folks. The Lord is either real in the midst of your struggles and in the midst of your healings and your victories, or this is all fake. The Lord is real in the midst of your thorn. So there's the fact of the thorn. It existed. And in our lives, many of us, it exists. 
There is a deep-seated issue that maybe you don't even want to deal with, but it won't go away. It's there. So that's the fact. The focus, then, is the second truth. The second truth from this scripture is the focus on the thorn. And I believe they have these words up on the screen. Herein lies the challenge. Where does our focus lie? What am I focused on? You see, theologians have often incorrectly focused on the thorn. And you may even wonder, what exactly was the thorn? But I would say to you honestly this morning, it does not matter what the thorn was because that's not the point of the passage. Andrew Womack says this. He says, the thorn in the flesh that Paul mentioned has been used and misused by Christians to justify submitting to nearly any problem that comes along. Satan has twisted this passage of Scripture to deceive many, many people into believing that God would not heal Paul, so they shouldn't be expected to be healed. Do you, I want you to understand something. Yes, Paul had a thorn, but you know what the first thing he did? He asked. He said, Lord, take this away. And you know what? The Lord answered, and the Lord said, no. But he still asked. So my friends, today, if you're dealing with an emotional challenge that doesn't just go away, we have some recourse. We have some things we can do. And the first of these is to ask, Lord, I need help. And the Lord may not take away that thorn, but there's good news coming. There is good news coming because no matter what the thorn in our lives may be, God's power doesn't come to an end. In fact, sometimes, folks, it's in the thorn that his power begins. Dallas Willard said the following, Many churches are measuring the wrong things. We measure things like attendance and giving. I was a little offended at that because that's what I spend my life doing. <laughs> but he said we should be looking at more fundamental things like anger, contempt, honesty, and the degree to which people are under the thumb of their lust. He said those things can be counted too, but not as easily as offerings and attendance. So where's our focus today? So that leads to the third truth from this passage. And that's the fact of God's grace. Here's the good news, folks. Yes, there are thorns. And we're going to talk about it before we go. And I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you right now to get your bravery built up. Because it's going to be worthless, futile, for us to talk about these thorns and then not ask the Lord to help us. I mean, that's just a speech. I'm not here to give a speech. I'm here to share the word of God. And then we're going to respond to that word. So the good news today is the fact of God's grace. The fact remains that there was a thorn in Paul's flesh. And the fact remains that there may be a thorn in our flesh. But the simple fact is also true 
that God's grace is sufficient for us. No matter the thorn, the trial, the wound, God's grace is sufficient. So I want to share with you three statements about the Lord's power because you may be thinking, yeah, I want more of the Lord's power in my life. I want God to help me and strengthen me and I want the Lord to use me. Well, I'm going to give you a how-to guide straight from the Word of God about how to have more of God's power. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to like it. <laughs> the first of these statements about the Lord's power is in verse 9. And Paul says it straight from the Scripture, folks. I'm not making this up. The Word of God says, first... My power is made perfect in weakness. Verse 9. Second, Paul says, verse 9, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ, here we go, power may rest in me. Number three. That is why, again, straight from Scripture, verse 10, that is why I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Here's the culmination of Paul's point. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Verse 10. So listen, folks. If you're struggling today, if you're weak, if you're having a hard time, that's when the Lord's power shows up. We get this thing all backwards. We think God's power is going to make our life easy and smooth and everything's going to be perfect. That's not the reality of the world I live in. How about you? Life is hard and you run out of gas. Pastor Jason distracts you. Life is hard, but that doesn't mean God's power stops. That's when it starts. It's in my weakness. I am made strong when I fail, when I struggle, when I strain, when that, that thorn just won't go away and I go back to the Lord and I say, God, help me. That's when his power shows up. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A few days ago on the ABC morning news, I was getting dressed and I heard this report. They were talking about how they're running out of things in the restaurant industry. Now, this was a few weeks ago, so maybe things have gotten a little better. But here's the things they focused on that morning. They reported they're running out of chicken wings, ketchup packets, oatmeal, and laborers, they can't find enough people to work in the restaurants to provide the service for the customers. And I was extremely grateful that morning to be reminded that God's grace never runs out. Never runs out. That leads me to the final truth from God's word 
<clears throat> and that's the focus on God's grace. Instead of letting our focus be on the thorn, it should be on God's grace. Why? Right from Scripture. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's the paradox of Scripture that Paul says that when I am weak, then I am strong. John Maxwell says this, what you focus on expands. So let's just get down to it. If the focus of your life is your thorn, it's going to expand in importance, in, in, in the encompassing power in your life. If your focus is on the thorn, it's going to expand in importance. But if your focus is on God's grace, it's going to expand in your life. So back to our fundamental thought. Where does our focus lie? I would go so far as to say that it's easy to focus on the thorn, right? It's human nature. The pain, the trauma, the grief, the person, the temptation. And like with real thorns, once we feel it, see it, we focus on it. If you're like me, you can focus. But then the focus becomes, I want to get that thorn out. But what if that's not God's answer? What if you're dealing with something that isn't just going to go away? I'm here today to tell you that God's word is real. And it doesn't end just because you've suffered a traumatic loss. And it does not end just because you were unfortunately abused in your past. And it does not end if your children are lost and not serving God. And the word of God does not end if you're sitting here today and you just don't even have faith. You're like, I just struggle to believe there is a God. You know what? God's word is big enough to handle that too. Because Paul didn't believe either till God knocked him off a horse. <laughs> he ran out of gas just in a different way. <laughs> but with those thorns that don't go away, what's our focus then? What was Job's focus? Job chapter 13, verse 15. Job says this. He says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. And I will surely defend my ways in his face. I had a great conversation about Job this week with Pastor Jason. Job struggled. If you're struggling today, go home and read Job. This is a guy that struggled and strained and his friends told him, give up. Job was not some perfect guy that was like, oh, I got this. No, Job struggled. But by chapter 13, he was starting to get it. He said, you know what? I don't care if the Lord even takes my life. I will hope in him. It was easy for Job to focus on the thorns. And you know what? Sometimes he did. 
but he finally got it. It would have been easy for Esther. Oh my goodness, what a great book. I, I reread that book this week. Esther could have so easily focused on the thorn in her life. That thorn's name was Haman. And you want a thorn? That dude was out to kill her and all her people. So you think you've got a thorn? Well, at least you probably don't have somebody trying to kill you. But Esther could have focused on the thorn, but you know what she focused on? She focused on God's will and God opened this remarkable door for her to talk to the king and she stepped out in boldness and she said, hey king, I, I'd like to make a request. And he said, sure. And she said, well, there's this guy Haman that's trying to kill me. <laughs> and the king was furious. And I was thinking in my mind that that Haman was then killed on the gallows that he built for the Israelites. But it's a little bit more graphic than that. I'm going to let you go home and read it because he died in a graphic way. But you see, Esther could have focused on Haman, but instead she focused on God. And you know what the Lord did? God provided a way of escape for not just her, but all of her people. Because she didn't focus on the thorn. What about the focus in Hebrews chapter 12? Man, this encompasses all of it right here. Verse 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Focus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, and listen, who endured such opposition for sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. So there's the whole story right there. We can either focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, or we can grow weary and lose heart. What about God's focus today? The psalmist writes in Psalm 32, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Hear me today. If you've been struggling to listen, just listen for the next two minutes. Our focus may be fleeting, and we may and I will prophesy that we will mess up. <laughs> That if you have a thorn in your life, you're going to focus on that. You're going to ask the Lord to take it away. And if he doesn't take it away in the time frame you choose, it's going to get frustrating. But I have good news again. And it's right there in Psalm 32 because God promises you that his focus will always be on you. So we may be struggling and straining and hurting and wounded, but God's eye is on you. Now, I was raised in a church that that was scary because that means God was up there with his big lightning bolt waiting to take me out. But as an adult, I learned about God's grace. And I learned that God wasn't out to get me. God was out to help me. And so today, if you're struggling with a thorn and you're wounded, you're hurt. I'm not here to belittle that. 
I'm not telling you to ignore it. The word will tell you to numb it, but that doesn't work. The word will tell you to distract yourself. That doesn't help in the long run. But I do want you to know, and I want you to be encouraged, that as distracted as we may be, the Lord's never distracted. And He is always watching over you. The words in the great old hymn says, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? Jesus is my portion. A constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches over me. I was going to sing it, but I'm too emotional to sing this morning. Because I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Because his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches over me. I had the awesome opportunity last Saturday morning to have breakfast with my kids and my grandchild. Both my sons are in ministry and I told them I was preaching this week so I had to give a mini version of the sermon. That's why the Colin taking his money story made it in the sermon because they're like, you got to tell that story. (laughs) But my sweet, fearless, youngest son, the Lord has laid his hand on. He said, Dad, how can you preach a message about thorns and not give the congregation an opportunity to find their ultimate help with the thorns and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I will admit to you folks that I'm not as gifted at this part of the service as Pastor Andy. We have a staff-wide joke that Pastor could preach on the three little pigs and 12 people are gonna get saved. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? My favorite story is he had a Bible study at a bar one morning and every person got saved. I I thought that was awesome. Pastor Jason, Pastor Amber, they're so much better at this part. But I'm just going to ask you to be brave in the next few moments. Because I know the Lord wants to help you. He's helped me. I've dealt with stuff. I deal with stuff. My life's not easy. If I told you my story, all of it, I think some of you would be like, wow, that was hard. Yeah. And I'm sure your life is challenging. But I need the Lord to help us now. Because if the Lord doesn't help us now, this was just a 30-minute speech. And the last thing I need is another speech in my life. How about you? I need God's Word in my life. You need the power and the truth of God's word. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and to close your eyes. And I'm just going to begin just by being straight up honest and saying to you and asking this question. Is your relationship with God what it should be? Are you serving God as you should be? Because if you're struggling and straining but you're not serving God well we need to start there we need to start there at the beginning 
And you may have come to church for months, but you've never really made it right with God. This is the first step, folks. If you're here this morning and you need to ask Jesus to be your personal Savior, you need God's help this morning. And we're going to start the process by asking God to become the Savior of our soul and to cleanse us of our sin. If you're here this morning and and you would say, Brad, I, I need the Lord to help me. I'm not serving him like I should. Maybe I was serving him at one point, but I've drifted away. But this morning, I want to do business with God, and I need the Lord to help me. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Slip up your hand any place. The ushers will put a Bible in your hand. There's, there's one right there, folks. There's several others. Thank the Lord. Keep your hands raised. Wow, thank you so much. I'm going to ask those that lifted your hand, would you look up at me? I'm going to do this totally different than we normally do, and I'm kind of known for that. But if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you if you would have the bravery. Would you stand and come forward? And Pastor Randy, I'm going to ask you to meet these folks. Since Pastor's so good at this part. If you lifted your hand, would you just come forward and join Pastor Randy? We want to pray over you. Thank you so many. Let's give these folks a good hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am, Pastor Randy. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pastor, I'm just going to ask you to take this part right here and lead these folks to the Lord, if you Here's what the Bible says. It says that it says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And none of us are perfect. But that's why we have Jesus. Because we have to lean on his perfection because we're not good enough. And we're, we're good with that. <laughs> we're good with that. But he also said this. He said if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead that will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin in our lives? Saved from eternal damnation to eternal life? And, and Jesus called it being born again. We were born from our mama's womb, but this is being born spiritually instead of being born physically. Does that make sense? So what I want to do, I want to help y'all pray. Let's do this. Just repeat after me. Let's all pray with these. Just just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, 
show up for church and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Being part of the family. I'm telling you, this is the deal. This is the deal. And look, don't look back. Don't look back. One of the things the devil does, he tries to bring up your past. And the only reason he does that, y'all listen to this too. The only reason he does that is because he knows you can't do nothing about it. But God's done something about it. And that's all that really matters. So y'all stay strong. Keep showing up. Amen. Go visit with these folks over here for just a second. Thank you guys. I'm so proud of y'all. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. All right, bravery time is not over. I'm going to ask you to stay seated for just another moment. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me again. Sorry if this is going a little longer, but I just so strongly feel in my heart. If you're here today and you're dealing with a thorn, and it's the kind that doesn't go away easily, and you need God's help, I'm going to ask you to make the ultimate act of bravery and stand all across this place. I'm dealing with a thorn in my life, and I need the Lord's help. Stand with me. I'm standing with you, folks. Oh, my goodness. Almost all of us. <laughs> well, I have good news because guess what? In my weakness... Christ's power is made strong. So we're in good shape this morning because we're all saying, Lord, I'm weak. <laughs> so now we need the Lord to be strong. Because I know this. When I make it about my ability and my power, and I'm one of those people who tries to fix it. I'm a dude. I'm a man. That's what I do. But the more I try to fix it, my wife will tell you, the, when I try to do a mechanical thing, I'm not mechanical. I'm focused, but I'll tear it up and do it three times before I get it right. Because when I do it, I mess it up. But in my weakness, that's when God shows up. When I don't have the ability or the answer, the thorn will go away. That's when God shows up. So all across this place, we're here saying, God, I've got a thorn that I'm dealing with. And it's just not going away. So I'm just going to ask you with me, folks, to lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we come to you today and we're hurt and we're wounded. And we're not playing games, Lord. We don't want to be fake. We're being honest with you. And we're saying, Lord, I'm hurt. I've lost. I've been wounded. I struggle with this temptation, Lord, and it won't go away. Help me, Lord. And so, Father, this morning we have the power of God's Word on our side. And we have the confidence this morning that if we will focus on God's grace, and if we will not allow that thorn to become our focus, that in my weakness, in my struggle in the thorn that's when I find your power 
that's when I find your grace. So Lord, for all of us, the hundreds across this room that said, I'm dealing with a thorn. Lord, help us today. Your word made a promise to us this morning that you're focused on us and your grace is sufficient. So Lord, if nothing else this morning, may we have faith in our hearts that your grace is enough. Your power is enough that when I'm not enough, that's okay because you are. And we can leave this place knowing that you're watching over us. You're focused on us. Even as we struggle and strain, your eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you folks to know that I, I woke up, I don't even know, it was dark 30 this morning with you on my heart. And I said, Lord, please help me because if I just stand up there and say, you got thorns, life's hard and send you out of here, then what an awful time. I want you to leave here today. And I'm not saying that thorns going away. We just admitted that some of them don't. But I do want you to leave here knowing that in that moment of weakness, that's when God's power shows up. So maybe change your perspective, if that's the least I can help you with, to not focus on the thorn, but focus on God's grace. Because the Word of God says it's enough. It's enough. You're not enough. Your wife's not enough. The friends and family around you may be not enough. People will disappoint and hurt you, right? But God's grace is enough. So, Lord, we go from this place today, encouraged in our heart. May we shift our focus. May our focus not just be on the thorn, because we know it's there and it hurts. We'd love for it to go away, but some of these just don't. But in that moment, may we be reminded that your grace is enough. That your focus is always on us. Even if we lose focus, you don't. Your eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he watches over me. Thank you, Lord. Be with every person. Lord, I'm just so amazed that so many are wounded and hurt. Lord, be there for them. Be there for them. Minister a healing touch in people's lives today. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.